Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Crazy in Love is the true crime podcast that tells love stories with a twist. Well, it's funny because she had her triplets, but she would often refer to Clay as her fourth child. She loved taking care of him and babying him and spoiling him as well. Sometimes the twist of a knife. An FBI agent who worked most of the case dug up remains of a knee. Just because things start off with once upon a time doesn't mean everyone lives happily ever after. This is Crazy in Love. A production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a true crime producer at KT Studios, joined by fellow producers Lisa DiGiovine, Beth Greenwald, and Tim Hamilton. We've all worked for years on various crime podcasts and TV series, and as crime producers, we talk murder all the time. One thing we've noticed is just how many of them stem from love. We're exploring the story of the man-child the missing mom, and a sandbar called Devil's Island. Jackie Sue Rawson was a pretty blonde who lived in a small town of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, on the border of Illinois. Cape Girardeau is a college town about 100 miles south of St. Louis. It's got a quaint downtown and a beautiful riverfront park that sits on the Mississippi. It's also a family town in the heartland of the United States, and Jackie was all about family. 
At 22, she dreamed of having a beautiful family with lots of children. She was also a born caregiver who loved looking after others. So when she met the tall, lanky 23-year-old James Clay Waller, Clay to his friends, she wanted to take care of him. They married in 1994, and friends and family said she would always stand up for him no matter the circumstances. And when Jackie got pregnant at the age of 34, 11 years into the marriage, it was great cause for celebration. Here's Beth. Yeah, so Jackie and Clay didn't have just one child. They had three. She was pregnant with triplets, two girls and and a boy, and they were all born in 2005. According to Jackie's sister, Cheryl, she was an incredibly patient person. When the kids were crying and screaming, you know, she laughed it off. She was a hard worker, and she really kind of took challenges head on. And, you know, as you can imagine with triplets, you're just on the go completely. At night, she'd get up nine to ten times to change the diapers, take care of feedings. These kids were her whole world. Plus, she also looked after her husband and the house. Well, it's funny because she had her triplets, but she would often refer to Clay as her fourth child. She loved him, and yeah, he was her husband, but she loved taking care of him too and babying him and spoiling him as well. Jackie's sister, Cheryl, though, said she didn't think Clay ever changed one diaper. You know, I would think that you would want your husband to be helping change kids' diapers, but I don't think he did that very often. And Jackie was really a do-it-all woman. I mean, she worked 40-plus hours a week as a manager at a Blue Cross, and she took on all the mom duties for triplets, And she was running the household because Clay wasn't really running it with her. She was kind of helping take care of the whole thing. Clay bounced around from job to job. So Jackie became the breadwinner. She's just that person that would step up and take care of everything. I mean, he tried. He did work for a year, actually, as a deputy at the Cape Girardeau County Sheriff's Office, which was their small town but he had a bit of a personality clash with the captain and the job ended. So he kind of just, you know, meander around, wait for the next job and jump into something. And she just took everything on herself. She was one of those type A personalities that seemed to be able to just organize and handle everything. And you have to wonder, is it that she wanted to take on everything and do everything herself? Or was it because she didn't have that with Clay? So she had to step into that role. You know, she always dreamed of having a family. You know, she wanted kids. She wanted to be, you know, the wife and mother. And they were married for 11 years before she got pregnant. I think she was just happy that she finally was having the kids that she wanted. And maybe at that point, just could overlook the flaws in her husband. People that really want kids really go after that strongly. But she's a small town girl, a family girl. And I bet this is something she really yearned for. By December of 2010, the children were almost five years old and things began to go downhill for the couple. Clay was having affairs and when Jackie confronted him, he would deny it. Jackie kept a detailed diary on her work computer so Clay wouldn't see it. In this diary, she noted his abuse and his threats to her. She was beginning to seriously fear for her safety. On December 3rd, 2010, Jackie found her courage and told Clay she was going to file for divorce. Confronted with this, he threatened her. According to Jackie's diary entry on December 3rd, Clay said, quote, I have a feeling that one of us will not be around to watch our children grow up. Jackie planned to get out, but she was going to move slowly. 
She told her sister Cheryl, I know what he's capable of, and I don't want to be dead. Here's Tim. So it seemed at this point that nobody really liked or cared for Clay. And that it was especially true for Jackie's sister, Cheryl, who wondered why her sister stuck with him for so long since he contributed nearly nothing to the relationship and he was cheating on her. 45-year-old Cheryl Brunecki was Jackie's older sister by six years, and she was also her protector, and Cheryl never really got a good feeling about Clay. Jackie confided in her sister that she felt sorry for Clay And she also told her sister that she was codependent and felt like she had to nurture him and take care of him and pretty much mother him. Jackie's parents, Stan and Ruby Rawson, agreed with Cheryl and said they never really cared for him either. Jackie's mom thought he was a jerk and Jackie's father said he really didn't care for him from the first moment that they met. They probably thought their beautiful, ambitious, go-getter daughter could do way better than marry a guy who just cares little about anything and has no responsibility and can't even hold a job. It gets even weirder because, you know, on Christmas Day of 2010, Clay spent the holiday with Jackie's family, which seems pretty odd since nobody liked him and they had just started the whole divorce thing. They were on that road. Her own mother was shocked when she saw him at the front door. So the last thing anybody was expected was for him to show up at a family event. Ruby said she talked to Clay a little bit and she got the feeling he must have known the marriage was over, especially when he said, I'm hanging on by my fingertips. And they they shot a holiday video too. And it's kind of, it's really uncomfortable to watch. I mean, Clay's kids are looking uncomfortable around him and they're all opening presents. He asks his daughter for a kiss and then she hesitates and she looks up at him and she looks kind of scared. And she kisses him and he goes on asking, do you love me? Do you love me? And she just ignores him. And it's just kind of, um, it's a very strange, he looks like he doesn't fit in and everybody looks very uncomfortable around him. Beth, you found something about the uh, diary, didn't you? Things got worse after the Christmas video and Jackie did keep a diary and there was an entry from her in March of 2011. And she wrote something that was really kind of disturbing. This is what she wrote. Clay told me that I did not deserve to live. He told me that a divorce would be my death sentence. And even more disturbing than that, uh, the entry she wrote the following week, which was, Clay told me if he couldn't get me, he would kill all our kids. He would take them for a weekend fishing trip, and then he would personally tell me they drowned so he could see my face. She was obviously really scared. When you think about it, the statistics, and I believe I read this somewhere, is on average nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. If you look at that statistic, during one year, this equates to more than 10 million men and women. Shortly after the diary entries, Clay lost another job and they lost their house. They were also facing bankruptcy. Jackie was relieved because now she had an excuse to actually get out. She and the kids moved with her sister Cheryl and her husband Bob. Clay moved over an hour away to Jackson, Missouri in a house owned by a friend, which is probably the best thing that could have happened for them. What was really haunting to me is the diary. I mean, he's threatening to kill her and threatening to kill her children and then to tell her about it, to see the reaction on her face. It's like 17 years they've been together. So maybe she still had a little bit of hope. Maybe that's why she wanted to stick it out. I was wondering if maybe she didn't run to the police because he used to work there. And maybe she felt like he had friends in the department or something. 
That's a very interesting point. However, he was only there for a year, and he didn't get along with his captain, but there already was abuse, because we learned that already. It was in her diaries. It's understandable that you would hope that maybe this person could go back to the person you fell in love with. I mean, that's a common thing. And he was also the father of her children, you know, and she wanted them to have a father. And, you know, when things started, it, he wasn't like this, you know, they fell in love. They built this family. They built this life that she so very wanted. So, you know, I wonder if she was holding out hope that things would get better. It's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Maybe she didn't want anybody to talk about this when you don't want that out there. I understand that, but I still think it's really important, especially for anyone who's listening to this, that when somebody says that, you definitely do need to share that with the authorities or somebody you trust. Well, what's interesting here in this story is her family all had a bad feeling about this guy right from the get-go. But it, we're all so easily blinded by love, and I think we... We like to see the best in people. And when your emotions are involved, you definitely can see what you want to see. So by the spring of 2011, just months after filing for divorce, the couple was leading separate lives. They both began relationships with other people. And Jackie told her sister that she felt Clay had turned a corner. Jackie was hopeful that he would sign the divorce papers and she could move on with her life. They only needed to finalize the paperwork, and June 1st, 2011 was the big day. The divorce was about to become final. Jackie's son Maddox stayed with Clay over the Memorial Day weekend holiday, and the plan was for the couple to meet at the attorney's office, then to swing by Clay's house and pick up Maddox on the way. Jackie called her sister Cheryl to tell her she was getting Maddox and then heading home. After three hours and several unanswered voicemails from Jackie, Cheryl became worried and she called Clay, but he didn't answer. Cheryl then texted Clay and said, quote, if I don't hear from my sister in five minutes, I'm going straight to the police. At that point, Clay called Cheryl back and said, if I see her, I'll let you know. Then he hung up. It was around 6.30 p.m. Cheryl felt something was terribly wrong. She drove to the police station and told them that she believed Clay Waller had killed her sister, Jackie. Here's Lisa. Well, the police acted really quickly on this. Typically, you wait 24 hours to report a missing person. But the sister had explained about the threats and uh, Clay's behavior because at times Jackie did share with her sister what was going on. Um, so the police found Clay at home. Uh, and they did question him. And he said Jackie met him at a drugstore just after 11. They had lunch. They split up, and they met at the attorney's office at 3 o'clock. And then after that, Jackie came over to his place, not to pick up their son, but to discuss the divorce. He went on to say that they took a nap together, which seems kind of weird to me because why would you be taking a nap with your soon-to-be ex-husband? That doesn't add up. None of it makes sense to me. Like, he said that they went to take a nap together. I mean, they're going through a, a contentious divorce on some level. He had been threatening. So that immediately, to me, just made me feel uneasy. And their son Maddox wasn't at the house. Apparently, he was left with Clay's girlfriend, which 
didn't make sense either because the deal was that she was going to the house to retrieve the little boy. I found out that he also told police that they got into an argument over the bankruptcy and she took off and just left on foot and he went to look for her. When he couldn't find her, he said he, quote, get a soda and cool off, unquote. When he returned back to his house, which was after about six, he said Jackie's car was gone. Well, Tim, the cops actually found Jackie's car and it was on an interstate and it had a flat tire. But when the car expert looked at it, the rim wasn't damaged in any way, shape or form. So it wasn't flat from driving. It had to be punctured after the vehicle had stopped. Someone intentionally did that to her tire. So where is she? And police wanted to search Clay's house, but he immediately lawyered up, refused to answer any further questions. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Four days after Jackie disappeared, Clay left her a voicemail, and this is what he said. Hey, honey, it's Sunday afternoon and you've been missing since Wednesday. Please, if you get this message, please call me. I don't know where you're at. I miss you so terribly. Please call. Now, this is a small town, so as you can imagine, the case explodes. The police put together a major case squad, taking the best of seven different departments to work on Jackie's disappearance. Well, authorities obtained search warrants for Clay's car and his house, because remember, he was staying in a small house in Jackson about an hour from Jackie. An FBI agent found blood in his car on the driver's side door, not just a few drops, but a large blood stain. False alarm, though, because when they analyzed the blood, it was actually fish blood. And uh, it was planted there by Clay to test the police and see if they were really checking to see what's there, running it through the proper uh, channels to see if it's what kind of blood and whose blood it was. I mean it's kind of delusional for him to think they wouldn't check that. Meanwhile, inside the house, some of the other hallway carpet was missing and blood was all over one area of the walls, lots of blood. And it was confined, it seemed, to like this one area. The police found their way to the basement crawl space and saw that the missing carpet from upstairs was rolled up and shoved into an area of the crawl space that you couldn't easily get to. And it was soaked in blood And after being tested, they found out it was Jackie's blood. This guy took advantage of the cops, too. Let's not forget about that. He planted blood in his own car. I mean, that's really going the extra mile. I mean, that's impeding an investigation is what that is. I mean, obviously, he's trying to throw them off the scent, but he's also trying to test them. I mean, that seems ridiculous. You have to wonder, is he is he putting it there so they don't go looking in the house? If they, if they find the blood out there, that they, they stick to that area and they don't go anywhere else. And it's like concentrated there for that aha, gotcha moment. Beyond that, to me, it's like your wife is missing. You know, yes, you're getting divorced, but she's the mother of your children. And you're kind of like horsing around over here. Yeah, it's very juvenile. It goes back to that fourth child syndrome. But it seems like he didn't care. He definitely lacks that compassion and those those feelings that most of the rest of us do have. Police did the tracking of her day so they could kind of get an idea of how, what happened and how did her blood get there. The day she disappeared was June 1st, 2011. And they went through surveillance cameras. The drugstore had surveillance tape because she was seen there at 11 a.m. And then she was also seen on the bank's closed circuit TV at the drive-thru at 1 p.m. This was the last time she was seen on camera. Hours later on the very same day, Clay is seen with his girlfriend and son Maddox at a toy store, except he's wearing a different shirt from earlier and there's no sign of Jackie. And the closed circuit TV in the parking lot also showed his truck. And in the flatbed, he had a large trash can and he was towing a small boat. And later that same night, Clay is seen on camera at a car wash washing his boat. So images of the boat were released to the public and a young couple 
actually said that they saw the boat on the afternoon of Jackie's disappearance in the Mississippi River next to Devil's Island. Devil's Island is part sandbar and part island. The area includes bottomland, hardwood forests, and ag agricultural fields, and it's subject to flooding, and it covers about 2,000 acres. Authorities start searching the island, and they don't find anything. Well, Clay now sits down for a formal interview because he is a person of interest. He was confronted with the blood evidence, and he said it was all from an accident that Jackie had in the hallway, and it wasn't a big deal. Now, even with blood evidence, there wasn't enough to charge him. When was the blood there? Was it there when she had visited the house previously? Is it new? There was no way of telling. And there was still no proof that she was dead. She was a missing person at this point, although a lot of her family didn't believe she was alive. Police were drowning in circumstantial evidence, but they had no body. With Clay as the main suspect, they attached a tracker to his truck. However, Clay drove around aimlessly, parking in vacant lots where he would sit for hours. Police suspected that he knew he was being tracked. In fact, the entire community was searching for Jackie and the police were watching Clay like a hawk. When he lost custody of his children to Cheryl, something snapped. Clay threatened Cheryl on social media with bodily harm, and Clay was arrested. Not for his wife's murder, but for threatening her sister's life. Here's Tim. In his threat to Cheryl, he wrote, You're dead. I promise if those kids get hurt, I will get you. Five, ten, twenty-five years from now, you'll have it coming. So it's like that ominous, eerie threat. With this threat, I think the cops had an opportunity to bring Clay in again for questioning. Five months into Jackie's disappearance, they try again. They ask about Jackie. He says nothing. He denies he has any information. And he starts arguing, kind of goes off on a tangent, that a colleague of his wife killed her, a guy named Gary. And he said Jackie was afraid of Gary and that he could prove Gary's guilt. And when you look at the interrogation, he gets angry with rage talking about this guy. Well, unbeknownst to him, the police had already sorted through Gary and he had an alibi. At the end of the day, Clay couldn't deny the threats to Cheryl, so he pled guilty and was sentenced to five years in prison. And meanwhile, Jackie's family was really desperate to find her body. They wanted that, they needed that for closure, but Clay was not talking at all. In 2013, two years after Jackie Waller's disappearance, her family asked officials to take another look at the case. Clay's attorney countered with a deal. If Clay helped prosecutors find Jackie's body, they would allow him to plead guilty to second-degree murder with the sentence of 20 years. The family simply wanted this to end and asked prosecution to agree, which they did. So Clay leads police and the FBI to that sandbar we mentioned earlier, the Devil's Island. And Devil's Island is located in the Mississippi River. It's also, if you remember, the area where the two witnesses had spotted Clay's boat. So they get on the island, and now Clay has a problem finding the exact spot where he said Jackie was buried. And investigators are, are starting to uh, click their heels and they're wondering, is he lying again? Is this a wild goose chase? So someone in authority remembered 
Clay's saying that he put a bag of fertilizer on her body. And since fertilizer kills trees, they were looking around this one area to see where there were any uh, dead trees. And an FBI agent who worked most of the case started digging with his bare hands. And he dug up remains of a knee and denim jeans. And it was Jackie. And they excavated the rest of the body. Let's stop here for another quick break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. As part of the plea deal, Clay had to walk police through the murder. 
and he explained how he took his boat to Devil's Island and dug a hole the day before the murder. And that's where he was spotted by the couple we mentioned earlier. That night, he spent with his girlfriend in Illinois, and he met Jackie the next day. Clay went on to say that Jackie wanted, and I quote, one last bang, which is why they went back to his place after meeting with the lawyer, which doesn't seem at all plausible. Clay told police that he and Jackie were both getting something out of the fridge, and he accidentally hit her nose, and she got a bloody nose, and she took off running and tripped in the hallway, and an argument erupted. It's like, this guy knows how to tell some tall tales. Clay says that Jackie accused him of hitting her nose on purpose, saying, I wonder how much time you'd get with the kids if everybody knew you'd just beat me up. Clay went on to say he hit her backhanded across the neck, and she fell to the ground, and he stood over her and he punched her in the nose. He said that he also then pressed his forearm into her chest and she stopped breathing. He said he didn't plan on killing her, it just happened. You know, what they point out to Clay is, he says this was something that happened in a fit of, of rage or a fit of passion or whatever. He'd already previously stated that he dug the hole the day before, which is premeditation. This wasn't an uh, a spur of the moment. This was something that he planned for. So it's interesting that he's still lying to police, even though he has a plea deal, and it's still going to be 20 years no matter what. After Clay fulfilled his part of the bargain, and they found Jackie's remains, he had to make his formal plea in court in front of the judge. And we have a snippet of audio from that. For the record, the court calls the case of State of Missouri versus James Clay Waller II. Case. The state agreed to amend this charge to murder in the second degree and recommend a sentence of 20 years to serve and dismiss counts two and three. And in return, Mr. Waller had to provide the location of Jackie Waller's body. Law enforcement had to be capable of recovering her body. And then Mr. Waller had to sit down and give an accounting of how he killed Jackie Waller. You were there and Jackie was there, is that correct? Yes. And what happened that led to this? We got in an argument and uh, I lost my temper. And I, I, um, I, I caused her death. Did you strike her about the head and face? Yes. What did you do that with? My fist. All right. Did you press your forearm against her neck? Yes. And did you choke her to death that way or suffocate her? You were aware that you were causing her death when you were doing it? Yeah. And that was your intention at that time, is that correct? Yes. The court finds that the defendant has admitted all of the elements of the charge against him and that the defendant is guilty. Oh, it's so harsh when you hear it. He couldn't even bring himself to say the words, I killed her. I think we see this a lot. It's, I almost feel like they, just till the very end, they hold on and refuse to kind of give anything that could bring, pre, bring peace to a family. People forget how one person's actions can affect the lives of so many and the kind of endless ripple effect it can have. It affected a community, it affected a family, and this was a tragedy all the way around. Clay Waller got 20 years in his plea agreement, but the story doesn't end just yet. He confessed to digging a grave for Jackie on Devil's Island in Illinois and then returning to Missouri to murder her. In doing so, he violated a little-known law called the Interstate Domestic Violence Act. 
It's a federal crime that carries a prison sentence of 35 years, which Clay was sentenced to in 2017. James Clay Waller is now in prison in Washington, D.C., and is scheduled for release on October 16, 2047. The triplets are 16 years old, and they were formally adopted by their Aunt Cheryl and Uncle Bob. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, listen to seasons one and two of The Piketon Massacre, another KT Studios production. And follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Jeff Shane, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Additional editing by Davy Cooper Wasser. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, listen to seasons one and two of The Piketon Massacre, another KT Studios production. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.